and anointed king. We know that the sons have passed through here, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. Verse number 10, the Bible said, Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was of a ruddy, with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now David's servant said, or, uh, said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God. Excuse me, and Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is cunning, player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him unto me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, that is a cunning in playing and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war and prudent in matters. Sounds like he had a good testimony. And a comely person, but here's the best part. And the Lord's with him. Wherefore Saul sent messenger unto Jesse, and this is my text, and said, Send me David thy son, watch these next four words, which is with the sheep. I'm interested this morning in David. He is our Old Testament hero. If you're like me, you'd like to erase 2 Samuel 11 and 2 Samuel 24 out of your Bible. He's the hero. But sadly, even heroes have a flesh. David dealt with that. In this text, when you think about 1 Samuel chapter 16 and these verses this morning, quickly, we note in verse number 13 that David was anointed. The Bible said that Samuel took that horn of oil and he anointed David in the midst of his brethren. God had chosen David, a man after his own heart, to be the next king over Israel. We understand we as preachers, we are not kings. I understand Revelation 1, 5, we're kings and priests with God. I understand that. We do not lord over God's heritage. But the principle is the, it's a position of authority. The place of service where God has David. He was anointed. He was called. He was set apart for that spot. David was anointed. Verse number 13, David was approved. The Bible said, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Not only was he anointed by Samuel the prophet, but he was approved by God Almighty. I want to remind us, study the shelf, study the show thyself, approved unto God. Amen. You ought not study to impress your church. You ought, you ought to study to show yourself approved unto God. I, I know some people say, but Simpson said it right this morning. Uh, you go through those stages where uh, you care what everybody else thinks, and then I don't care what anybody else thinks. But there is a part of all of us. I want my men to sign my papers to approve of my ministry. I want the men that laid their hands on me and signed my ordination Bible uh, to approve of my ministry. But more than that, I want the God of heaven uh, to look down on my life and say, I like what that boy's doing. Yeah. 
David was anointed. David was approved. But I'm interested in our text. David is awaiting. He is anointed by God. He is approved by God. But he does not leave his daddy's house immediately and go sit on a throne. He goes back to a field. In fact, one commentator I read this week said it's some 15 years before David will assume the throne. Before David, if you allow me to use this terminology, will fulfill his calling. So David's living somewhere where all of us live from time to time. He's living in between. And I want to preach for just a few moments until the chicken gets here on the, the in-betweens in the ministry. The in-betweens in the ministry or the mundane ministry. Ain't nothing happening. Ain't nothing going on. He's anointed. He's approved, but He's not on the throne. You're called. You know God's called you. But you're lucky if you get to preach once every six months. You don't have a church. And you want to preach. And I want to say this, thank God if you want to preach. If you don't want to preach, get out. I tell you, I think that desire is a good thing. In fact, that is the first qualification of 1 Timothy 3. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth the good work. I tell you, I don't have time for a young preacher that rather stay home and play video games and go to revival meeting. Amen. I don't have time for a young preacher that says, well, I work too hard. I'm too lazy to go. Hey, when I was, when I was a, a teenager working a job, I'd have given 5.36 in the morning. Oh, but if there was a preacher within an hour of my house, I wouldn't scare. I want to go. I want to get in. I want to be in meeting. If the only time you go to church is on Sundays and Wednesdays, we live in the Bible Belt, man. Come on. You can find a revival meeting an hour away. You ought to get involved somewhere. You know why I went? I was hoping somebody gets sick. I was hoping somebody let me testify. I was hoping somebody, somebody said, well, I went to you. are liars what you are. I mean, some of you today were hoping that all, all my preachers had a wreck or something couldn't come. So you might get preach, amen. I'm just telling you, you ought to have that desire. God put something in us. And when He called us, that desire is to open up that book and preach what thus saith the Lord. Thank God for that desire. Here's the problem with that desire. You want to preach so bad that when it doesn't come, and the appointments don't come, when they're not calling, you're living in between. This is the most critical time in a preacher's life when he's living in between. Here's what happens. Men that are in this season will either wait on God, end up quitting, or will compromise for an opportunity. That's why we have a lot of these independent boys going Southern Baptists. Because they're not waiting on God and the first Baptist church in town. Oh, every church ain't first Baptist ain't Southern Baptist. I understand that. But the first Southern Baptist church calls them and they say, well, you know, if you'll just not preach so hard on standards, if you'll just change a little bit on your music, on your, on your conviction, on your Bible, you'll have an opportunity and all that stuff instead of waiting on God. Some of you are doing that with your marriages. It's not a good testimony for you to have 27 girlfriends. God didn't call you to be a player. Hey, you can't figure out which girl you're going to marry, but you've got the message for this service. 
I preaching now? You got it all together. You know we're supposed to preach, but you can't figure out what goal. You got a goal at this meeting. You got a goal at that meeting. You got a goal over there, over there. You're a player. You're a punk's what you are. You're not a preacher. You're a punk. Amen. What are you going to do, Jack, when you get up in a meeting when you're married and there sit seven-year-old girlfriends in the audience? Well, they're seeing eye dogs. Because they have to be blind to talk to you. Amen. You live in between. I've lived there. You know, you know what my job was? I worked Chick-fil-A. Say amen, Brother Chris. Me and him were probably the only ones in here that were the chick He don't want me to tell this. But we were the Chick-fil-A cow. I'm talking about the suit, the shirt... The sign, yeah. I made more money than him. That's because they raised minimum wage. My first day being the cow was in July. At a Methodist family day. Outside. They got the contemporary music band on the stage and they said, get the cow up here. So I said, there's some things I wouldn't do for money. I walked up there. They said, dance. I said, huh? <laughs> and your head's this big. You got to look through the mouth. Anybody else been the cow and you admit to it? Oh, you, oh that guy scratched his head. <laughs> you know what's really hard about that? They give you a 15-minute break to breathe. And I went in that little Sunday school room in that Methodist church and pulled out my cell phone, started scrolling through my Facebook. And my buddy's preaching here. And my other buddy's preaching there. And this guy, I know that he steals his sermons from everybody. He ain't had an original thought in his life. He's preaching over here. And all these fire... I know now it's firecrackers. It's popping up all over the place. Here I am drenched with sweat, wearing a cow suit, looking like a fool, making eight bucks an hour. That's in between. Some of you are living there. It's hard. God's got you in between. Don't compromise. Don't quit. You wait on God. If you've got to stand out by the side of the road and wave at people in a cow suit, if you've got to go to that job every day and something that you hate doing and just go, you wait on God. I don't say this to, to glorify anything or... But all those boys I read on that post that day are either dead, out of the ministry, or they're compromisers. I remember Brother Eddie Davis, and I'm, I, I'm hurrying. Brother Eddie Davis, I was, I was really struggling with it. Y'all right? I was struggling with it bad. I wanted to preach. And I got more opportunities than a lot of guys did, and I think I understand that. But you know, you never feel like you have enough opportunities. Let's just be honest. Ain't nobody here but us. You remember when you was a young preacher? Some of you older men know what I'm talking about. And we was at a camp meeting one night and Brother Eddie preached. And I was so tore up, Brother Michael. I got in the altar and I saw Brother Eddie going out and I followed him out. I followed him out of that house. I said, Brother Eddie, I said, I'm ready to go. You know, we all think we're ready. You know, we're going to take the bull by the horns and all that. And we can't even find the horns on the bull. And he looked at me and he sat dripping wet. And that night, I'll, I'll take you to the spot. 
He said, you know why God didn't let Noah get out of the boat immediately? Too muddy. And God never told him to send out the raven or the dove. God never told him to do that. He said, the reason God won't let you get out of the boat is too muddy. If you get out right now, you'll get stuck in the world and walked inside. And I got thinking about that. He's supposed to take seven of each clean animal. And we know that seventh animal he sacrificed, except for a dove. That dove never came back after that second time. So because he didn't want to wait on God, he lost something he could offer God later. He lost something he could put on the altar later because he wouldn't wait on God. Three things quickly. We're going to eat some chicken, hopefully. Maybe. We are. Is it on the way? It's on the way. Good. Three things. What did David do? Number one, here's, here's the first thing David did when he was living in between. Watch the text. He was faithful in his spot. Look at verse 19. Wherefore Saul sent messenger to Jesse and said, Send me David thy son. Jesse didn't have to go looking for David. He didn't have to say, Where's David at? You know where David was at? He was right where Jesse put him. Amen. When David got those five stones in that bag and he reached for that one stone, you know why he got that stone that killed the giant? Because that stone was right where the shepherd put it. I want to encourage you this morning. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I tell you, if you're a preacher in your church, you ought to be the most faithful church member in your church. You ought to be at Sunday school. You ought to be at Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You ought to be 20 minutes early. You ought not come in dragging in late. Amen. You ought to be at every revival meeting. You ought to be the best, faithful, most faithful church member your pastor has. Why? Because there might come a day when the king will call for you and he needs to find you in your spot. He was placed there by his father. He was present there in the field. And he was passionate about that flock. Here's how I know when Jesse sent him up to the battle in 1 Samuel 17, what's the first thing David did? He got a keeper for that flock. See, David thinks he's wasting his time out there in that field watching them sheep. But what's God teaching David to do out there as a shepherd? He's teaching him to lead. He's teaching him things. Then, that he's going to be more than sheep here in a few years. God's got you over a little Sunday school class with five boys that ain't paying attention. God's got you in that little junior church where they ain't listening. What's God doing? He's teaching you things. But you're going to carry into that next place and that next stage of ministry. Are you hearing me? He was faithful in his spot. He took the watch this now. In 1 Samuel 17, he told Saul, he said, He said, I serve, he said, I went out and took that lion and that bear because it took one of my sheep. He is passionate about it. If you're teaching a Sunday school class at your church, you ought to stay for that Sunday school class like you would a Friday night revival meeting. Amen. If you're preaching at the nursing home, oh, well, they're, I know they don't get it half the time. Uh, most churches don't get it half the time. Uh, but y'all to study uh, like you're preaching the biggest meeting of your life because that is the biggest meeting of your life. Anytime you open up that book, you should have been in hell. You should have been in the lake of fire. Uh, but God saved you. God called you. God changed you. Anytime you preach, it is the greatest opportunity you've ever been given to get up and say, Thus saith the Lord. 
Amen. We know that parable in Matthew 25, the principle. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. He said, I'll make you rule over many. He was, he was faithful in his spot. Text me an ETA. Listen, secondly, not only was he faithful in his spot, what did David do in between? He was found with the sheep. Where did he hang out while he was waiting for the king to call him? He hung out with the sheep. It was not only important to know where David was, but who David was with. He was committed to the sheep. I've already mentioned uh, that he left that keeper with the sheep. He was committed. Are you committed to your local church? I've heard guys say, well, I don't need the local church. Well, I don't need them to come by and present their ministry. i got a problem when I don't know where an evangelist or a missionary's home church is. And I don't know who their pastor is. And I don't know where they're from. Amen. Y'all not be ashamed of who your preacher is, who your pastor is. Amen. Chicken will be here in 15 minutes. You can do it at the end. He that endures the end, the same shall eat chicken. All right. Uh, but he was committed. You know why? You know why people don't like the local church? Because it brings authority. It brings accountability. Amen. You just can't go off and run. That's why these boys start these men with their names. They don't want any accountability. They don't want any authority. That way, if they name it after themselves, I mean, you ain't dropped the corner. Look up here. It'll be all right. Uh, that way, if, and there's a bunch of them, all right? That way, they're, they're, they are the accountability. They are the authority. They're, they're the mafia daddy. Somebody help me, amen. What bothers me is when older men do that. I mean, have you ever heard of Apostle Paul Ministries? You ever heard of John the Baptist Ministries? Don't that sound weird? That sounds just as weird when you do it. Amen. I don't care who it is. Amen. I'll tell you what else the local church brings. It brings authority. It brings accountability. But it brings assistance. You need the church. And the church needs you. Amen. He was committed to the sheep. I thought about this too in 1 Samuel 28. He was criticized because of the sheep. Eliab looks at him and says, where have you left them few sheep? Them boys still alive. That's going to get real tight right here. That's them boys that come by you and you, have a, you go to a small church. And they'll come by with their big... And I'm not against Bible college. I'm against some of them. I'm trying to think of one I approve of. Amen. So I said, I don't believe that. Well, you believe what your pastor believes. That's all right. I'm I'm pastor. But uh, they'll come by and say, see, I know you're a small church. You ought to come to this big church. I understand there's training. I get that. Don't don't give me all that, okay? What they'll do, they'll entice you to build that bigger church. And then you come back home and you think you know more of your pastor if they even come back home. And very few, some of them do. Some of them do. Thank God for that. I'm I'm not making a blank mistake, but a lot of them don't even come home. I, and this is going to be, and I'm not against college, okay? I'm not against it. You can tell by my preaching, I didn't have much of it. I got a C minus in homiletics. That's not my fault. It's Dr. Bo Wagner's fault. He didn't teach what was in the syllabus, okay? Everything he taught was good, but it wasn't on the test, all right? It was all good. I did learn how the devil talks, though. He has a British accent. It's awesome. Oh, yes. He taught a class on demons. I wouldn't take that class. I was afraid to have nightmares, okay? <laughs> Especially Brother Bo teaching it. 
They try to pull you away from your... If your preacher is going to get you saved and get you called... Well, thank you, preacher. I got saved and called him a mission. I have somebody else help me. No, they ought to come alongside the local church. If there is a Bible college, they ought to come alongside the local church. And there are some guys. I'm being facetious. There are some good ones out there. Come alongside and assist the church. But they'll say, if you'd leave. And they're doing it to these preacher boys now and young men now. They'll say, well, you know, you can come over here. We've got a big church, a lot of opportunities, a lot of ministry. But you're competing with 38 other preachers. I asked a young man, I won't pick on him. I asked a young man who was at a Bible college. I said, how many times did you preach in four years of Bible college? Yeah, think about it. Very few times. As opposed to being in his local church. If God calls you to go to Bible, I understand that. Don't criticize me, all right? But we're going to stay around the sheep. Well, i got to go and get my name out. David, David didn't even show up when the sons were called. Talk about getting your name out. He didn't even show up when the sons were called. He said, I guess if they need me, they'll call me. Don't call us, we'll call you. They'll try to entice you from your home church to a bigger church, bigger colleges, bigger crowds. They will tell you you're wasting your time in your little home church with your preacher. You know why I love Brother Brian McBride? I love him for a lot of reasons. But... He's spending the next four Sundays driving back and forth to his home church to fill in for his pastor. Let's be quite frank. Y'all want to be frank? He'd make more money keeping his schedule and not driving ten hours every weekend. But it's not about money. And it's not about meetings. My local church that supports me and sends me out, my preacher needs me. He was criticized. Then he was characterized by sheep. What do we know? What do we know David as? We know him as a shepherd. I don't know about you. I want to be known as a local church man. He was. I'm hurrying, and the chicken just pulled in. He was found in the spot. He was faithful to his sheep. I'll tell you what else David did in the in between times. He was fervent in service. Now, there's a lot of things I give here. His attributes, verse 18, speaks of his testimony. But watch his availability, verse 17. Saul said, "I need a man that can play well." David ain't called to play music. But that's what the king needs me to do. That's what I'll do. Saul said, I need an armor bearer. You read the rest of that chapter. I need an armor bearer. David ain't called to be an armor bearer. He's called to be the king. David said, well, if that's what the king needs me to do, that's what I'll do. Well, I'm not called to be a Sunday school teacher. But that's what the pastor needs me to do. I'm going to give it my best. I'm not called to be a choir leader. But that's what the pastor... Some of you don't need to be a choir leader. Uh, but I'm not... But if that's what the pastor needs me to do, that's what I'll do. Say amen, Brother Tim, Brother Michael. Amen. What'd he do? He just aligned himself to do what was ever needed. You'll preach on the radio. Some of you during COVID, you found out Facebook Live preaching. Thank you. Some of you, you gave us some great entertainment. Amen. <laughs> Hammer time. Amen. <laughs> he moved to Tennessee. <laughs> If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll send you a link, all right? <laughs> I thought about inviting him. <laughs> Let him have a book table side of sign. That's right, hammer time. Amen. It's an inside joke, and we close the door, all right? Whatever he needs me, whatever the preacher needs me to do, whatever the church needs me to do, he aligned. You know, I was thinking about this, and I'm, I'm done. David's, David one day... 
He wasn't called. He wasn't called for music. He wasn't called for military. He was called to be a monarch. Called to be a king. But he did what we what he was needed to. But one day, simple orders could carry your brother bread and cheese. Led to sincere obedience, that led to severe opposition, which led to a special opportunity, which brought out a successful outcome. And at the end of First Samuel 17, nobody knew him at the beginning. But at the end of 1 Samuel 17, everybody knew who David was. But that wasn't David's goal, because when David stood Goliath, he said that the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. David did not try to establish himself. He simply waited on God. Waiting, on, waiting, waiting time is not wasted time. Every successful minister has had their time of waiting in the ministry. Moses was 80 years old. Elijah hid himself by the brook Cherith. Paul spent three years in the desert of Arabia. And we don't even know what went on. We get like one verse about it. We don't know much, we don't, but God had him hit out. Our Lord. 30 years. You see that a little bit in the temple? What's he doing? Whatever, whatever he needed to do. He's a carpenter, so apparently he's working at the carpenter shop. He had a three-year ministry, which was the greatest ministry. I thought about this. I want to close emphasizing John the Baptist. Luke chapter 180, the Bible said, And the child, speaking of John, waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts. And one day I was reading my Bible and this phrase jumped out at me. Till the day of His showing. Till the day of His showing. That word showing means a pointing out, a public showing forth. John spent time in the desert till the day. I think that day we could say, I, 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 it could be a 24-hour day, but I believe that refers to his ministry. That day of his showing where God, if you allow me to use terminology, launched him out. John's out there preaching one day. He's been in the desert by himself. Come out of there eating locusts and wild honey. Can I go? Can I go? Oh, he's filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Explain that one to me. Filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. He's raising a good family. Got a preaching daddy. Allow me to use that terminology. Zacharias. Praying mama for the Holy Ghost. First family in the Bible ever filled with the Holy Ghost. Brother Dean said it was a Baptist family. Tell the charismatics that. Till the day of his showing. John's a preacher. There's one a-coming. There's one a-coming. There's one a-coming. There's one a-coming. John's preaching. And one day he's preaching, and he looked out over his audience, and he saw him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Amen. I think John said, Thank God for the deserts. Thank God for that solitary place. Thank God for those days where I didn't see anything. But there was one day when I looked at my congregation and there He was. There He was. There He was. Hey boys, I just want to encourage you. You be faithful in the in-betweens. You stay faithful in the church. You stay faithful to God. And it might be one day you'll get up to preach and you'll be a preacher and you'll look out and you'll see Him. You'll see Him high 
high and lift it up and He'll get all the glory. If you ask John the Baptist to sign your Bible, he'd sign John 3.30. He must increase. And I must decrease. John fades off the scene. John fades off the scene. We all live in-betweens. Some of you are living in-between right now. I want you to stand up if you're not presently in a ministry. As far as pastor and evangelist missionary. Stand up, please. Guys, you're such at a vulnerable place. And I'm not talking down to you. I've just been there. You're going to have opportunities come. Men's going to try to lower you. But you'd be found in your spot. Sunday school comes, you'd be on time. Preaching time, you'd be on time. You'd be on the front row. You, you say amen to your preacher 30 times every sermon. If you don't say amen 30 times, you ought not preach. You can't say amen to the truth, you ought not preach the truth. Amen. You ought to back up. You ought to be found with the sheep and just whatever's needed. The in-betweens. You may be seated. I appreciate your attention. We good back there? Amen. I appreciate you Let me give them a burden. Living in-between. I'm glad God's, God can...